Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Emmett Mann. Rate, review, and subscribe on every platform and on YouTube. Like and subscribe there as well. Yes, you see him. Sean Woodley. Locked on Raptors. Thank you so much for joining me, man. How are you doing? Of course, man. Thanks for having me. No question. You see, the reason why I want to talk to you is because you are one person. Like, how long have you been covering the Raptors? How many years? Nine seasons, which is crazy. Nine seasons. Uh, it, uh-huh. Yeah, I feel very old this season. I don't know what it is. I I feel like I've uh I've reached like a new age bracket of Raptors coverage. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> you could say the season has aged you, perhaps. Yeah, also that. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. Yeah, no doubt. Because in nine years, I'm curious, where does this rank in terms of the difficulty to get through where like every game is just like a little, you know, a little tick, just like a little prick on every single part of your body and just keeps on going until the next game where you're hoping it's going to be better and then it just isn't. That is a, a really good question. You know, the Tampa season will always suck the most just because it was so mm-hmm. grim start to finish the yep. like getting booed in their ostensibly home arena and all that stuff like it was awful and i think everyone kind of expected it might suck going in as much as there was some optimism about the team coming off of the season prior um so that's always going to be number one with a bullet i always found that uh 2016 17 was kind of a slog honestly um you know obviously after they mm. made the trades to get serge Ibaka and pj tucker it was great but in the lead up to getting Serge Ibaka and PJ Tucker, that team stunk out loud for like a whole oh, month. Yeah. And oh yeah. That was like a, you know, a kind of a spirally moment going into that trade deadline. Obviously things turn around. You get the Kyle injury, which also stunk, but it led to DeMar kind of carrying the team down the stretch. So you got some joy out of that stretch run, even if it ended at the hands of the, uh, you know, the, the, the team that we don't talk about the, you know, the yeah. LeBron who will not be named, but yeah, I think um, this one probably is, is right in there. Right. And it's different degrees too, right? Like this is, I don't know what the expectations really were coming into the season. I think it's part and parcel with like the, how annoying this season has been is like, we didn't really get a stated goal at the start of the year. And so it feels like I've been moving the goalposts. It feels like everyone's had to move the goalposts just to kind mm-hmm. of give themselves some sort of end goal or, or you know, objective in mind. Um, you know, the, the championship season also kind of had like, you know, the, obviously the playoffs were incredible. That was a fun year. Watching Kawhi was amazing. But there was like this overarching existential dread that hung over that season as well. But you forgot about it real quick when Kawhi Leonard was putting up 35 burgers on other teams. So, yeah, I think other than yeah. the Tampa season, this is probably the toughest one to get through. Um, you could say maybe the the 2014-15 season, which, you know, after Kyle Lowry got hurt or, or kind of slowly decayed after DeMar DeRozan got hurt, that became mm-hmm. a pretty grim season too. And I actually think there are some pretty interesting parallels between that year and this year. Um, so maybe that's the one that actually kind of resembles this one the most, but nothing will touch Tampa. And I think uh, I'm very thankful for that because I've had like this new low baseline of fandom set and I, and I hope to never dip below there again. It just doesn't seem very likely that she ever will because of all the circumstances that went into it. Freddie Gillespie actually saved the season with his Miley Cyrus rendition. Not rendition. He danced. Remember, That's what it was. It was a bit remember when like it was like Freddie Gillespie, Malachi Flynn, and Ken Birch were like, this is it, baby. Like Malachi's <laughs> figured it out. Rookie of the month. Ken Birch is averaging 11, 7, and 3. This is incredible. Boy. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did not hold up, did it? How far we have come. And the interesting part about the 16-17 season, you mentioned P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka, and it was like last-ditch effort to salvage the season. And it seems like the Jakob Pertl mm-hmm. trade was similar to that, that they decided at yeah. some point, and you mentioned like we didn't have any expectations heading into the season. I don't think management had expectations. They didn't know what the season was going to go like. I think most of us sure. probably thought that, you know, top six was uh, the goal. And I think even like, 
you know, nationally, the goal was probably top six. And many felt like that they were comfortable saying that season mm-hmm. goes on. It just never really turns that corner. And then the Raptors management is just like, uh, what do we do? Do we go left or right? And they decided <laughs> to go right towards getting Yaka Pertle, the a person that they've needed for quite a, quite some time. They could have traded for him last mm-hmm. offseason, but they decided not to. And here we are talking about the Raptors again. So the reason why I thought it'd be fun to talk to you is that you have dealt with the ups and downs of this team for a few seasons now. And just mm-hmm. with that in mind, looking at them now and what they're going to be during the offseason and also next season, there are questions that have to be answered. And these are only a few questions that I'm going to pose to, to you and that we can talk about. But a couple of ones that I think are really important um, for the team and management to decide on what their future is. So let's start with this. <clears throat> Starting very strong. I pose this question to you. Have you wavered as Pascal Siakam being a legit number one? Now, when I said this to you, I, I realized when I was going to go to sleep, I'm like, wait, he might think that I'm talking I'm talking a lot about crunch time. Crunch mm. time, fourth quarter, two minutes left, three minutes left. Is he a person that can get you a bucket? And I, I really do hate phrasing it that way. But sometimes, as you know, when it comes down to it, two minutes left, NBA finals, game six, it kind of does come down to that. And we saw with Kawhi Leonard. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all degrees with Pascal Siakam too, right? Like, I, I think, you know, just in general, if you think Pascal Siakam, like, if, if you're like building your 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 framing of, oh, is he like a number one option around the idea of, of he is he the best player in a championship team? No, I don't think he is. I don't think that's ever been the case. So I don't think my opinion mm-hmm. has changed there. I don't think Pascal is one of the seven best players alive. And there are maybe seven players who can be the best player on a championship team. Um, That's just the way basketball works, barring some random happenstance where a Pistons team loaded with incredible talent going all the way to the 2004 finals, beating the Lakers. Like that doesn't happen very often. It's a very rare situation where you don't have one of these seven precious guys you're probably not winning a championship, but I don't think Pascal is that guy. I don't think he's ever been that guy. I think he's flirted with maybe looking like he could be on the fringes of being one of those guys at times, but mm. ultimately the shot making has never quite been at that sort of elite efficient level that you want. Um, and that's, I think fine. You know, as far as like late game situations, there is a track record of Pascal Siakam being part of very good crunch time teams. You think back to the 2019 sure. 20 team, they spammed Pascal Lowry pick and roll, whichever way you wanted to run it. Pascal screening, Kyle screening. Mm. That two man action was the backbone of the second best crunch time offense in the entire NBA. They were really bloody good. And Pascal was a walking bucket in those situations. Pascal and Fred, their two man action has been a reliable way to get late game buckets. Yeah. Do I think just like toss the ball to Pascal, have him ISO some dudes and go and score buckets over top of guys? Like, no, that's not him. Can he be a part of a very efficient crunch time offense? Absolutely. He's proven he can, but he did last year where he was everything for the crunch time offense. He was creating everything. And, you know, the initiating sort of, mm-hmm. you know, guy behind every good thing that happened on offense for the team. And they were a very good crunch time team once again. And I think if you have the right pieces around him, then yeah, he can be your number one. If you don't have the right pieces around him, then no. And I think the question right now that is, I think, really fascinating and probably the biggest question facing the Raptors is, is that Pascal Scotty Yak front court viable with the lack of shooting across those three guys? And how does the sort of crunched spacing with those guys affect Pascal Siakam? Clearly, adversely right now he's not getting the same quality looks he's not getting the same space to work with uh teams don't care about guarding most of the players on the floor when he's got the ball in his hands and so Hmm. you got to work through this stuff is this stuff that could be worked through and sort of ironed out going into next season probably but you know i I don't begrudge anyone who's already kind of looking at the crunch spacing the fact that the raptors are 21st in offense since the yakka purtle trade and saying hey you know maybe there's some fit issue here that has arisen from a rot from bringing yakka purtle into the mix and how does that affect pascal siakam and his ability to be his best and he obviously has not been his best of late i don't know if it's a long-term trend to expect or if it's just you know the, the acclimation period you tend to bake in whenever a new big piece comes to a team but it's certainly something to watch and one of the biggest storylines for the rest of the season to be sure and, and you know I, I think with a guy like pascal who's not one of those precious seven guys or eight guys whoever it is who can lead yourself to a title the context of the team around him is imperative and 
the context right now, it's gotten better in some ways with the arrival of Yaka Pirtle. It's gotten more difficult in other ways with the arrival of Yaka Pirtle. And I still think this this is a fact-finding mission for the rest of the season to figure out, all right, like, is this viable? Is this worth mm-hmm. seeing again next year? Or do we have our answer pretty quickly here as to, all right, these are the issues and here are our potential options to go and fix that issues? You know, what's tough with Pascal is that for a little while now, he has been operating from the middle of the floor, which is a unique place. Not many mm-hmm. players want to, you know, gravitate towards that spot. But from his perspective, 100%. he's thinking, I have angles everywhere. I have shooters in the corners. There's a lot of space for me to operate. And probably during the offseason with Rico Hines, he's thinking, this is where I'm going to do my thing. And then Jakob Pertl mm-hmm. comes. And now there's a lot less of that because of the the success of the Pertl and Fred Van Vliet pick and roll, which we'll get to in a second. But now he's having to operate mm-hmm. from different spots on the wings a lot. And now the, just the, the angles are different. The doubles are coming from different spots. Um, the trajectory towards the rim is different. And he's probably just adjusting to that as well. I've been... Yeah. intrigued by his three-point shot because there has been moments where you're just like wow so that was a pretty he got that off pretty quickly and to catch and shoot from different spots it's not always the, the baseline it's sometimes it's a 45 sometimes it's above the break and that's all well and mm-hmm. good but the consistency has not been there from from him but then sometimes you see flashes like in that clippers game he takes Kawhi leonard one-on-one there's a double coming from zubach and then he spins around both of them and gets a layup you're just like wow that was mm-hmm. athletic that was crisp he was confident and i don't always find that it seems like there's a lot of mental gymnastics happening in those moments where he gets the ball with a few minutes left and the spacing's there for him. It's an organized play and he gets the shot he, he wants. It looks like it's going to win and then it just doesn't. They don't. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Like, you know, yeah. make or miss league, Doug. Shout out Dwayne Casey. Uh, like it's, it, and ultimately, if you miss more often than you make in those situations. Mm-hmm. You're going to have your sort of your reputation is going to, you know, be created fair or not. And, and you know, I, sure. I do think like the context around those certain situations and those certain late game moments, certainly, you know, it, it matters, right? It's not just yeah. the Pascal is bad in crunch time or not. Like it's what are the reasons why Pascal's not performing well in crunch time. And mm-hmm. You know, it also making the fact he's played the most minutes of any player in the league since he came back from injury, right? Like there's probably yeah. latent fatigue building up here too. Like it's just, it's not all as black and white as everyone wants it to be. And I know the sort of, you know, there's a certain section of the fan base and look, I'm not here to say who's right or wrong. I don't think this is right to think, but I know there are certain sections of the fan base who think Pascal's not good enough. Get rid of him. Like you just can't build a good team with him. I think that's wrong. I don't, maybe you can't build a championship contender if he's your best player, but uh, I also don't really subscribe to the idea that job one is building a championship contender. And I know there's like, what? No, you got to walk before you can run, like build a good team first and then use your good position and status within the league to pivot into being great. That's what the Raptors just did in the last decade. Pascal Siakam, I'm sorry to say for all the DeMar lovers out there is a better player than DeMar DeRozan ever was with the Toronto Raptors. Just two-way excellence. He's better. Full stop. A better player. They, you know, there was no, for five years building that team with DeMar, six years building that team with DeMar, there was no, like, I mean, I'm sure this came up, but like the Raptors weren't thrown off the scent of building what they had because the players on their team were not good enough on their own to be the, the best players on a championship team. No, they built something and then they got to the point where they could pivot into something else. And Pascal Siakam is the type of player, I think, who gets you to that place of being able to pivot into something else. And Maybe he eventually is the guy who gets moved as the DeMar, as it were, in whatever the next big star pivot Mm -hmm. move trade the Raptors try to make is. But I still think he's very worthwhile trying to keep on this team to see what kind of heights he can bring you with, with the right team around him, with the proper Mm -hmm. context, with an actual center now. It's lovely. What a beautiful thing. And I don't even know if we're going to get all these full answers on who should go, who should stay over the course of 26 games after the trade deadline. And that therein was like i think the argument against what the raptors did at the deadline i gave it like a c plus i could see the logic to it i might not have done what they did but Mm -hmm. they certainly painted themselves into a corner and 26 games might not be enough to get answers to these very complex basketball geometry questions that they've kind of presented to themselves with the personnel they have and with the very specific skills and needs that pascal siakam Mm -hmm. has as a number one option and part of the reason i'm sure 
management made this decision is because they didn't know where to go, right? They didn't know what players yep. would probably be the best fit for them. Um, it was very unclear. And until they got a rim protector or at least filled some of the, the glaring holes that they have, which I mean, rim protecting was one, mm -hmm. uh, three-point shooting was another. And until you address one of those, you couldn't properly contextualize what this team was. And now that they got Jakob, which is good, um, now you can probably say that, okay, so these guys are going to fit. These guys aren't. Probably. I mean, I know Jakob Pertl, um needs a new contract. I'm almost certain. I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that he's going to be back with the Raptors. It's probably the other guys that you have yeah. to be thinking about. What are they? What's their status with the team? But um, in the end, with the Pascal thing, I think, you know, you mentioned DeMar. And uh, the reason why Pascal is a legit number one, and that's why I should have rephrased the question, is because of how many ways he can affect the game. And there are a yeah. few players in the NBA, like aside from DeMar, there are a few players that can impact the game on both sides of the ball the way Pascal Siakam can. And that is like, that's a fact. And there are players that can do it at a high level offensively. Some guys who can do it defensively, but few can do it at like a top 15 level or whatever you want to call it, like Pascal Siakam can. And that is why he is a number one. But crunch time, I think uh, it's where you have to really get into your deep bag. And especially with the Raptors spacing issues, I mentioned he's operating from different parts of the floor. With that in mm -hmm. mind now, the spacing is not going to be the same. The reason why he loved the middle is because spacing is going to be optimal regardless and it's so much easier mm -hmm. to see where your open man is now from the wings from the 45s baseline whatever it's a lot harder the angles are just yeah completely like, like it's a night and day difference and uh, he struggled with that a little bit the turnovers were up a little um a little bit of a learning experience for him but i mean the raptors like you said have painted themselves have put themselves in this corner where they have to make some uh hard decisions very fast and that's same for pascal siakam you know tonight against the lakers yeah you have to make some hard decisions um, on the fly, and they got to hope that he makes the right one. Yeah, and I mean, like, last note on Pascal, because I know we got other stuff to get to, but like, you know, do you ever have you ever known Pascal to be a guy who like come, confronts a problem and then not figure out mm -hmm. a way to solve it? Right, like the spin yeah. move is born out of all right, I'm getting to the paint. How do I uh, score here? Oh, I, this spin move works for me pretty damn well. That's my counter here. Uh, he's built in all sorts of counters and all sorts of different layers to his game over the years. He's not been asked to play the way he's been asked to play since Yakapurtle arrived in years. Like, really, probably since the, the Kyle Lowry season back in 2019-20, where he was more of, like, a secondary um, creator on the team. Sure. And he was pretty damn good that season, too. Like, it's it just it's these guys are creatures mm. of habit and they are guys who, you know, if you do one thing one way for a long time, you're going to get damn good at it. And then if you're asked to do something else, it's going to take some time. And this team, again, they didn't grant themselves the luxury of time. They can still have time if they want it to run it back as it were, as, as much as you can with the financial constraints that might be in place. Um, and that they might still think that's the case. We, we might just be in a case where, oh, well, that, those 26 games are nice. What about 82 more? And, and, you know, we get to see more of it. But, and yeah. I'm not even opposed to that. I think patience is like one of the great market inefficiencies in professional sports, honestly. Um, but Pascal Siakam, to me, feels like the type of guy who can figure this stuff out and play better than he has. If he doesn't, then yeah, you're probably looking at some bigger questions. I'm just going to go with his track record of constantly improving and sort of tailoring his game to the things that are being asked of him if you would ask mm. two years ago is pascal going to be this kind of player who can be a an engine of an offense that's pretty good who can operate from the middle of the floor with such devastating effect like no yeah. you wouldn't have said that during the 2020 bubble but then he did it and so i'm willing to give him more than 11 games to sort out mm. whatever's been going on over the last little stretch here all right, let's switch to Fred Van Vliet. Um, something of a whipping boy amongst the Raptor fan base. Many people are mm -hmm. like split on him, uh, the fan base itself, on his role, his impact, how important he is. And it seems like, I mean, a lot of people call the media, Raptors media, apologists for him. Um, but also I think at some points, you know, some people just don't really understand how much he impacts the game on both ends and how much he stirs the Raptors drink, uh, how much he helps them get mm -hmm. organized. And then he does something like what he did the other day where he's calling out referees. And now everyone loves him again, yep. <laughs> at least for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm surprised the, the fine was only $30,000. Um, Paul George, a couple of years ago, Josh Lurberg pointed this out that he's had some comments mm -hmm. about officials that weren't nearly as bad and he got 35, yeah. but Fred got 30. Maybe it's me, like, huh? no, go ahead. It might just be like an admission by the NBA, like, damn. He's That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he's kind of right. That's yeah. what I'm thinking, too. Um, anyways. Oh, maybe we should go uh, talk to old Benny T over there and see what's going on. <laughs> or Scott Foster. Or all of them. How about a refs-only meeting? How about that? 
uh, sure be super productive. Lots of agreement, lots of level-headedness. So it'd be great. Yeah, I can just <laughs> see Scott Foster with his hands behind his back. I'm like, all right, here we go. Here this guy goes. Okay, enough. <laughs> <laughs> enough Scott Foster officials talk. He is uh, slated to get a new contract this offseason. And do you think the acquisition- Fred, not Scott Foster? Foster? Yeah. Scott Foster has a contract <laughs> until the day he dies. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. He's going to be doing it. Yeah, Do it's, it's think... with Tim Donahue's bookie. Uh, or... <laughs> you went there. You went there. It's you can bleep that out for legal reasons if you'd like. That's fine. No, uh, that's okay. The people got to know. Yeah, just Google Scott ESPN... Foster, Tim Donahue. That's all you got to do. Just, just Google it. It's right there for you. Yeah, it's cool. If people on ESPN are saying the exact same jokes we are, then, I mean, why can't we? That's yeah, what I'm saying. Totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Does Jakob's presence, does it change, I guess, the the value of Fred in terms of the pick and roll that they've been able to develop over the past few games, which I think has been very fruitful. I did a video about it, and some people were just like, oh, what happened against the Clippers? I mean, the plays were still there, just the shots weren't being made. But anyways. Kawhi Leonard (laughs) nuking pick and rolls just by being Kawhi freaking Leonard is what happened in a lot of those situations. And that happens. Sometimes Kawhi is going to Kawhi as Raptors fans. Surely no. Sure. And also sometimes wrong decisions were made. Like Fred a few times were just making the wrong reads. It's like it's A or B and he took B and it could have been A. And then there you go. That's basketball. Probably next time mm-hmm. around, he's going to make the right decision. Like those are things a part of, you know, trying to be a good pick and roll team. But also, like you said, the spacing is not good. Uh, you mentioned Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard. He was a guy underneath the rim who's to be like, I'm going to screw everything you want to do up and watch me mm-hmm. do it. And that's what he was doing. Yeah. Um, but back to the question. What do you think is Fred's immediate future with this team? And when I say immediate, I mean new contract. Do you think Yaka Pertl's acquisition, does that change Fred's future with Toronto? What are your I thoughts mean, so, so I don't think Yak's arrival changes like what Fred is as a player or like, or, or, or should change anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think it, what it does is amplifies all the things that I think most people probably know, or most people who watch Fred Beverly play basketball know it's like, Oh, this guy's a pretty damn good player. This guy is yeah. a very good playmaker. This guy is a pretty good table setter. This guy is a three point shooter who, when it's going, it's massively important. And even when it's not going, the volume and the space he provides are massively important. And now mm-hmm. you have an actual role man, for him to benefit from and to amplify all the things that he's always done well they just weren't necessarily amplified by a team that had no actual pick and roll attack that didn't yeah. really seem to know what it wanted to do on any given possession there's more direction now and mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet's the type of guy who's going to do well with direction and with purpose and with backbone sort of set plays that you can lean on and I you know I, I just it's really I think been a nice sort of refresher in the uh, you know Fred Van Vliet's a really damn good point guard is he the best point guard in the league no is he a top 10 point guard in the league maybe not but I, I think because of what you've seen with the you know the, the chemistry that you have with Jakob Pertl who like you said is almost assuredly going to be back next season because also like if you look around at potential replacements for Fred Van Vliet there aren't really any unless some no. disgruntled star is like, get me to Toronto. Uh, there's just he will be the bell of the ball in the point guard market <laughs> in the free agency class. If you can keep the bell of the ball, you do that. Yeah. And, you know, there will be some people be like, well, some addition by subtraction. Well, a that's not really how it works, especially with a player as important as Fred Van Vliet. You saw what the offense looked like when Scotty Barnes was playing point guard for those three games after the all-star break, right? Like you watch those mm-hmm. games in Detroit and Cleveland. I was in person. It was ugly. It was awful. Uh, it like, Oh, you went greatest. Scotty Barnes could glorious. be <laughs> must've been glorious. Was, down there. The Detroit game was a, was a blast Cleveland. Eh, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but Joking yeah, no. like it, it's, <laughs> it's just Fred makes a lot of this stuff work. And this team very clearly, as much as they need center play, they need steadying point guard play as well. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, when you watch like the Clippers at their worst, for example, when they don't have an actual point guard, when it's all flailing, like that's what the Raptors are, just with worse players, uh, when yeah. they don't have Fred Van Vliet out there to be their point guard. He's a very valuable player. And if you can't get a player who's as good or better than him in his spot, he has to be on the team next season. If you have any designs of being acceptable and good, which they very clearly do because they traded their first round pick. And so there you go. I think Fred's back. Like I, I would be pretty surprised at this point if he's not, mm. um, I'm not particularly concerned about the magic wooing him down to Orlando to be the franchise savior. I don't even know why the magic would do that in their current situation with Mark. They got like 11 guards. They does. got 11 guards. Yeah. 
they're one. fine. Like, just <laughs> just roll with it, man. Um, yeah. and like the Rockets, really? You think Fred Van Vliet's gonna stand over watching around looking at Kevin Porter Jr. and sink every single lineup he's ever played in his entire <laughs> career? Absolutely not. Like, he feels like a raptor. I think he's gonna be here. There's no one to replace him with. You you know, maybe there's concern about the decline, you know, physically and all of that. But like very clearly the offensive talent is still there. Maybe sure. there's a bit of a defensive drop off. But guess what? Plenty of teams survive with point guard defense. That's not all world Gary Payton in his prime level, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the position you can most scheme around defensively. And I think you can make it work with Fred. He's really important and there's no obvious replacement for him. And you simply can't go into next season without those skills on hand. Otherwise you're going to be in the same position you were this year, just with no point guard skills instead of no center skills. And Mm -hmm. you will be a directionless husk of a team. That's Mm -hmm. going to go nowhere. Unless they just decided to replace him with Jeff Dunn jr. Well, Unless, <laughs> that is the answer. I like Jeff. I don't want to joke on him. I, I enjoy watching him play <laughs> play basketball. Um, point of attack defense, yeah, I good. think, was yeah, he's he's terrific. I mean, you talk about point of attack defense. Jeff's pretty good at it. Um, his future is another conversation for a different day. But I think Fred's actually has been better mm-hmm. of late, and we never understand what players are going through physically. Like I was talking to Scotty Barnes, his manager, a few weeks ago on the other Strictly Who's podcast, and he said he just said it like. At a you know nonchalantly like yeah you know Scotty was injured for a little while early in the season so his defense was really bad essentially is what he said I'm just mm-hmm. paraphrasing but those are things that happen and when we're saying you know Fred doesn't look like he's moving very well things look kind of off he looks kind of slow he, why is he limping in the third quarter maybe he just was hurt and that's just how it is mm-hmm. I don't want to go down that path too much because like you play the games and however the person performs is what you have to critique off of but it does seem like he has a bit more bounce to his step these days and. uh Mm-hmm. Ask Bradley Beal. Really, since January, he's been, yeah. like, I'd say since the calendar yeah. turned, he's been very good. And having Yak is just like a whole new breath of fresh air for him, too. Sure. And Bradley Beal found out that, you know, his point of attack defense ain't bad. He found out in that uh, when he decided to <laughs> switch on to him. It's like, oh, yeah, bring Fred Van Bleed over here. Let me go cook on him. And uh, didn't go very well. Um, so I think there has been some progression. There. Bradley, Bradley Beal overestimating his own abilities. No, crazy. Bro, what I'm seeing from him in late, in late crunch time, I couldn't believe it. I was watching the game. What was it against Atlanta? And Kyle Kuzma was asked about mm-hmm. it afterwards. And he, I mean, he was trying to be nice, I suppose, because he was asked and fairly enough, you know, what's going on with the crunch time offense? What's going on with the fourth quarter offense? And he's like, you know, kind of what it is right now is like, we just let Brad do whatever he wants and we just live with it. And Brad's making a lot of bad decisions. A lot of bad decisions. I've been actually kind of shocked for a guy that seems very humble, very liked uh, amongst you know his NBA peers, how it could be so, for lack of a better term, selfish in those situations. Kind of selfish. Yeah, yeah. I just, I've never really been a Bradley Beal guy myself. I thought John Wall was always the guy that made those teams hum when they were yeah. good. And, you know, my lasting image of Bradley Beal's like, career, I think, is going to be thinking back to all of the times he hit a three to cut the Wizards deficit from 15 to 12 before mean mugging at the bench only to lose by 18 later. Like that's, that's the Bradley Beal experience to me. I'm sorry, Brad, but like, man, uh, (laughs) it's that's, I guess that's what you get when you just decide, yeah, I'm a wizard for life, baby. You get wizards ass reputation, I suppose. And uh, (laughs) it's, I don't think he's shaking it anytime soon. Defense is for wings. I'm not a wing. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Um, yeah, with, with Fred now, I think, uh, there's been progression defensively. I think we're seeing the benefits of him having a Yaka prototype and he's been missing that for a few seasons and Lord knows point guards could probably use that. It's pretty, uh, pretty evident. Um, his shooting ability, mm-hmm. his ability to get downhill. And also I think, I mean, there was a transition period for him, I think, um, doing more pick and roll. He had to remind himself, like, how do I do this again? Um, and he yeah, I, wait, I can pass to a big man. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like angles, wraparound passes, like over the top passes. He had yeah. to just get back into that groove again, uh, since it's been so long. Um, and we remember, you know, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, that two man combo that has never really worked out. Right. Mm-hmm. He's grown. He's got, he's gotten a lot better at that. And, uh, Yaka Pearl, obviously his skill set is another conversation, but he's also very good in terms of pick and roll offense. Mm-hmm. Rolling ability. What a delightful I enjoy... player, yeah, kids, oh, man. man. Like what? Man. Just like a that's a basketball player's basketball player. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Do you think the three most likable players on the team right now are Yak, Jeff Doughton, and Scotty Barnes? Ooh, um... from the fan base, because I find that everyone else is being critiqued a lot. So, 
Yeah, I mean, we can get into Scotty Barnes if you want, because uh, maybe yeah. he deserves a little bit more critique than he gets. Uh, I don't think he's some special <laughs> golden boy necessarily. I think he's awesome. I think he's going to be excellent. But, uh, yeah. you know, some of the stuff he does also doesn't really help matters all that much either. Yeah, <laughs> that's a. I mean, Yak is clearly the golden boy. I would say. 100%. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. On the right day, people love Boucher because like he throws cool dunks down and stuff. That's um, true. I feel like OG is pretty beloved, honestly. Like I, I don't think OG gets too much flack. I think he's I find pretty, people uh, have soured on him when they felt like he wanted to be sell on everyone man. i know man but like he was he was streak. it's absurd he was prince og <laughs> and now that the the yeah. dialogue around him isn't that anymore now it's like oh this guy wants to be traded oh why is he missing all these shots he's only taking like seven yeah. shots a game now it's not 20 mm-hmm. <laughs> his offense like, is like diminished quite a bit are raptors fans just like naturally inclined to overhype their own guys only to their dis- disappointment later when they've overhyped said guys and they're just they're pretty very they're very good basketball players they're just not the dudes that they were overhyped into being i, I mean i'm sure every fan base does this but it feels yeah. like it happens a lot with the raptors mm. <laughs> uh well he didn't become quiet leonard at least not yet so um what, a, what a also failure. he didn't say An absolute that. failure exactly. of a player yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. jeez um okay well i mean i I think fred's gonna be coming back and like you said the free agent market isn't great um i wonder um another lot of separate conversations this is why i limited it to five questions or so because there's too many Mm -hmm. things to talk about but yeah how much are the raptors willing to invest into this team next season you know Mm -hmm. if fred indeed does want 35 million dollars a year or whatever it is and they do sign up to that contract now you're getting very, very pricey throughout your lineup and you have more players next off season that you got to give more contracts to more extensive contracts mm-hmm. to press the Chua. We've got to get into that conversation too. At some point, you know, what's he going to be next season? How much is he going to command? Clearly Masai wants him around. So some tough money conversations for the Raptors are coming up. However, mm-hmm. that's not our problem. Uh, Bobby Webster can manage the stuff himself <laughs> Look no further dude than wrote the cap i trust exactly, him completely man. to figure that part out I, I like i've stopped caring about mm. cap machinations because like they'll figure it out that's kind of my general philosophy is like they're yep. smarter than me when it comes to it and they know where to kind of trim the dollars know the little loopholes half, half the loopholes <laughs> were written by what by Bobby. he's walked through these loopholes many many times before so yeah like uh-huh. the cap stuff they'll sort out i'm sure what they did with Nando DiColo at the trade deadline. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Glorious, glorious stuff. That's when you're like, just leave it to Bobby. He'll figure it out. I'm sure Masai does that too. Is Masai good at math? I don't know, but I know I'm not. So I'm not going to go down that path. I'll let Bobby yeah. do it. It's not my job to worry about that <laughs> yeah. part of the whole deal. I'm not on the payroll staff. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Let's talk about more raising of things. That's a terrible segue. What could raise the ceiling, the ceiling of this year's team? Like, is it like between now and the end of this season? Yeah. If there's something like, obviously it's all going to be internal at this point. Um, You could say there are some players that have underperformed. Uh, There's a few traits that a few players could just gain through wizardry or maybe more practice time. I don't know, maybe more confidence. Mm. And there are a few players that I think that could help this team stabilize their minutes in certain portions of the game or have better minutes in terms of starters, in terms of crunch time, whatever the case is. But are there a few things that come to mind for you that think, you know, if this guy was doing this or if this duo was doing that, Raptors could actually be a little bit better and maybe, you know, 
play in first round, maybe they just make it a little bit more competitive. Mm. Even at this point, like I would say if they're able to force whoever they face in the first round, if they get there um, to like five or six games, I would consider that a win, all things considered, mm-hmm. because Boston and Milwaukee, they're out, out of this world. Um, they're ridiculous. Yeah, they're yeah. they're total buzzsaws. Um you know, for me, I think within this season, it's tough, right? Because I think they're working with such a limited time to get the offense sorted out. The offense is the thing. I think the defense looks pretty good. They're ninth in defense since the the Pirtle trade. Yep. Like, that's great. Uh, and I think that's legit. I think when you look at it, it makes a lot of sense. They're enormous. Uh-huh. Yak cleans up a lot of the messes. It's It makes perfect sense to me that they've been a top 10 defense in that time. The no offense question. was my concern coming in after the deal. And I talked about this on my show a bunch. And... Yeah, you know, after a season where they kind of flirted with top ten all season long, they've lost a little bit of that magic, and I think it is because of the lack of shooting. It's just it's undeniable in the NBA. Mm. You gotta be able to shoot, and for me, if Scotty Barnes was just like, if he could have a heater here, what a dream that would be. If you get the first month, what he was like yeah. crazy hot in the first month of the season, right? Like if you can get that going from deep for Scotty Barnes for a month straight here. That changes the game entirely. And ultimately, like that to me, if you're someone who thinks this team can become something meaningful down the line with most of these core pieces, it's because you think Scotty Barnes is going to learn how to shoot. If he does learn how to shoot, like things get real tricky if he can't shoot because like Mm -hmm. the spacing will always be a problem. And I'm... I'm not going to lie. I'm a little concerned, right? Like, I, I think he's going to be a very good player. He's 21 years old. Like, I'm not going to be all like, he's a bust or anything like that. But like, and it, like, he obviously impacts the game even when his shots aren't falling, as we saw, you know, as we see all the time, right? He he can yeah. just kind of turn it up aggression wise. He can go smack the offensive glass. He can do all that stuff. It's great. If he can't shoot, it makes the geometry of the Raptors a lot harder. It makes probably some uncomfortable questions pretty clearly yeah. in like the focus of this off season, even mm-hmm. um, if they don't think there's actually a pathway for him to improve from downtown. Um, and it's not even just three point shooting his two point shooting. He is down pretty significantly in every single area yeah. of two point range this season from where he was last year. The only area in which he has improved his three point, his shooting at all this year is from three where he's gone from 30.1% to 30.3%. Every other part of the floor He's shooting worse for him, worse at the rim, worse in Damn. short floater range, worse in mid range, worse in, in short mid. Like he's been awful on twos. Yeah. And if this team is going to find a way to make it work with Pascal, Scotty, and Yak, one of two things has to happen. Probably both to some degree is Scotty's got to be a better three point shooter. I think Pascal, even himself, maybe a little bit better as well, but 34, 35%, I think you can get by with. Um, and Scotty's got to be better there. He also has to become a guy who can be instant twos for you because they're not going to win the math battle right now, mm-hmm. three point wise, where they can win the math battle and where they lost it miserably against the Clippers on Wednesday is going 24 of 64 from two point range. <laughs> who have to be a team that lives at the rim. And I think they can, right? Like Yak never misses. That's a big, big asset. If you can find a way to work the spacing with those guys where there's always someone who's in the dunker or someone who's there to put in an easy opportunistic bucket, leveraging what the defense is doing to overcompensate for Yak's floater or Pascal's mid-range game or whatever, and you mm-hmm. can leverage that into easy two-point buckets, great. You got to finish those two-point buckets. And they have not done that you know, Pascal's had issues there as well. And, you know, if you're not going to be a team that lives from three point range, you have to live at the rim and their avenue to living at the rim is those three guys being lights out when they get those opportunities in close. Cause they're going to get them. They get a lot of them. They're yeah. both, you know, Pascal and Scotty are walking paint touches. You got the pick and roll game with Fred and yak, which gets yak deep in, in deep position all the time. You have to make good when you get to the rim. It's not easy mm-hmm. to get to the rim in the NBA. The Raptors are actually pretty decent at it. I think all told, but they it's have the to final part. Otherwise. It's the final part. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. you have to put those yeah. bunnies in. Otherwise it, it just, it's going to totally nuke your offense, which it has so far, right? Like in, in, since Yakupertal mm-hmm. arrived, they've stunk from two point range and that has been totally debilitating to their offense. And yeah. if they can just get Scotty back to where he was last year, where he was like 61% at the rim, as opposed to 57% at the rim. If you can just get slight incremental, incremental, improvements from these guys from those areas where they typically live where they get to those spots all the time scotty Mm. walks into that short floater range whenever he wants 
those got to fall. And then the three-point shooting also has to be there as well because it's the NBA and everyone scores a bazillion points a game. You need three Except to score the a bazillion points. <laughs> yes. So for me, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they picked the, the wrong time to skew defense for sure in terms of yeah. like NBA history. But like Scotty's <laughs> touch both in and out, that is the key to the ceiling of this team being raised to yeah. keeping the guys you have now and having it be a viable team that could be a real heavy hitter in the Eastern Conference one day. I still think they can be pretty good if you don't get that full development from Scotty just because they have good players. Their defense is going to help drive them to wins. But to me, like that Scotty shooting both now and in the future is so bloody important. Otherwise, mm-hmm. Pascal maybe becomes the guy you have to look at shipping out in exchange for better shooting, which would be a really grim and, and terrible thing to happen because I love Pascal yeah. Siakam. I'm probably like too clouded and I probably can't logically think about the idea of moving on from Pascal because I'm far too emotionally attached to him. He's like my <laughs> second favorite Raptor of all time behind Kyle. I could cop to that. That's fine. <laughs> but I also think you shouldn't be in the business of trying to move on from top 15 players in the league, all NBA players, because the fit is weird with another guy on your team. And I think you've got to sure. just hope for that internal growth. Mm-hmm. Is Scotty capable of that? I don't know. But, and I think I would skew towards thinking he can do it to some degree. Maybe he's not going to become Clay Thompson, but can he become a passable three point shooter and get that touch from two point range back? I think that's on the table, yeah. but it's got to happen. Otherwise this whole thing, I think kind of falls apart. It's amazing how much, these questions inform each other. It's like the Raptors need mm-hmm. more shooting and that would help Pascal Siakam at, in two-part range. It would help Scotty Barnes in two-part oh range. It would help yes. Fred VanVleet in two-part range. Um, the best portion we saw from Scotty this season is when he was in that uh, Yaka Proto world where he was screening and rolling. Mm-hmm. He was he was uh, more of an initiator from the nail area and uh, he was thriving at that point. Like it's funny with him that he's mm-hmm. capable of more, but they need him to be doing something else. And nowadays, mm-hmm. especially when the, the Yaka and Fred pick and roll is so good, they need him to be a spacer and they need him to hit shots. And other teams are like, yeah, we'll let him do that. That's cool. No problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to let him shoot yeah. four or five uh, threes a game? That's totally fine with us. Um, so you're right. That is one of the things. Uh, did you catch uh, a few weeks ago, Nick Nurse? He was asked about Jakob Pertl, and he was saying, oh, he's not a three. Someone asked him, he's always not a three-point shooter. And then Nick, under his breath, said, not yet. I was like, ooh, <laughs> what's, what's on your Good mind? Good luck, sir? man. Let's start, with, Good luck. start with free throws first. But uh, yeah, yeah. I like thinking. <laughs> yeah, I like the thinking, too. I don't think there's any you know chance in hell it happens. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, the th- thing too i think to keep in mind as well we talked about with pascal right he's adjusting to something new that he's not been doing for a while like this has been a strange second season for scotty barnes he's been asked to do a lot of different things in a lot of different spots he's played point guard he's been a center Mm -hmm. now he's playing this more sort of wing role um and like there are certainly moments and flashes where it's like oh my god but this guy puts it all together this is going to be an unstoppable force of a human being on a basketball court and that's still one of his outcomes right like there's still an outcome here where he is just so physically imposing and so like adept with his playmaking that he becomes one of the best players alive. Do I think it's likely he becomes one of those seven guys who can lead the champion to lead a team to a title? Probably not because I think it's unlikely for any player to become that because there's mm-hmm. only so many of them, but like he's got, I think just like the tools and the flashes that make you think, Hey, that could still happen. Sure. And I think you got to hopefully, you know, see if he can kind of have a bit more of a sort of steady role next season, you know, kind of define what his role is going to be in the offseason so he can focus in on very specific development related to that role. It's not that I think you should, you know, funnel him down one development track or anything like that, but he's very clearly got the screening middle of the floor surveyor type thing kind of down like that. That feels right. like a thing you can kind of take to the bank is a way you yep. can use Scotty Barnes. But in this wing, more sort of centric role, he hasn't figured it out yet. It's been 11 games. He probably will figure it out to some degree. And, you know, there were flashes. What was it in the the second Wizards game where he hit like three mid-range jumpers? And it's like, oh, all right. Now we're we're talking. Like, if that stuff happens more often, then you're cooking with gas. But that's, you know, as as we're talking about sort of swing skills and Mm -hmm. things that are going to raise the ceiling, like, they, I feel like they've built this team with the idea that Scotty is the guy who was their vehicle towards upward mobility, he's got to make good on it now. And, and I'm yeah. not saying he can't or will, won't or will, but that's the reality they're in right now. There's a lot riding on Scotty Barnes figuring this thing out so everything else can fall into place. 
And what you love about him is how malleable he is on 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 the court, and like he's playing backup point guard for the Raptors now, right? And that's great. I love seeing the two man actions with him and Gary Trent Jr. I love seeing him, you know, just like spam that pick and roll with uh, Gary and him in that uh, second Wizards game where Gary had had twenty six points or whatever, and he was making those play calls. Mm-hmm. So that was him on the court, and mm-hmm. that's where you're seeing that headiness. You he yeah. wants the ball in his hands, but at the same time, we mentioned Fred VanVleet. Why do you need him on the court? Is because Fred's smart with the ball and the Raptors can't turn over the ball and uh, they, need to, they need to win the possession battle because they don't have shooting because they can't hit twos and all these things, mm-hmm. like I said, inform each other. And so it's hard to give, just take the the reins off and give Scotty, you know, go out there and, and do your thing when you're trying to win games. And he's just not ready mm-hmm. to be a full-time point guard yet, but he's certainly ready to be a playmaker. And so the Raptors are trying to, to balance that. I would love to see him find ways to be more aggressive throughout a game. Um, sure. and that's, you know, fourth quarter Scotty is perfect, but, and I know you can't sustain that for 48 minutes, but I would like to see him be more assertive with his offense. And that is in his control. I mean, I understand mm-hmm. that he wants to read and uh, understand the teams. He wants to get everyone else involved, but sometimes they just need you. Like you are the play at points to quote CJ miles. You are the play. All right. So mm-hmm. when you collapse the defense, when you bring a double, then do your playmaking, make it happen for yourself. Um, and then you are doing exactly what you want to do. You want it, you're passing the ball, you're rebounding, and you're just going to get in, into tune with the the player that you want to be sooner um, mm-hmm. and for a, a longer duration of the game. Um, you mentioned the three-point shooting, for sure. Pascal Siakam, similar scenario. He's improved quite a bit as a catch-and-shoot mm-hmm. player, and he's been more than willing to be that off-ball player. I see him in the corner sometimes, just like, ready to go. And sometimes it goes in, other yeah. times it doesn't. But um, in the in 2023, he's been fairly consistent from three. Um, and that's been a positive sign. Precious Achua. I, I don't want to get all over him a little Ooh. bit. You know, he's had a, a rough stretch. Um, and mm-hmm. we talk about players like finding themselves in new roles. And he's had to make a pretty big transition himself um, with mm-hmm. Jacoporo coming in. And I think he's still figuring it out. But I mean, we saw what he did last season. And he was an yeah. instrumental part of them having the second half that they did. If he's able to get in tune with that for like 10 games here, it would be really <laughs> helpful. <laughs> no doubt, man. Like you talk about the ceiling raising and Scotty's obviously the first and foremost guy you think of there, but Precious yeah. is part of that too. And we sure. saw it last year when Precious was a catch and shoot, you know, could drive off to catch wing type. Essentially. He was kind of playing mm-hmm. like a point, like a, like a two guard more than anything else. Like, that was a really damn good player who changed a lot for the Raptors. And, you know, you think about the development of Scotty Barnes as well, right? Like if you're able to kind of pair him with a precious as a pick and roll partner, but it's not just pick and roll, it's pick and pop. That's another thing he can work on those pick and pop reads, stuff like that. Have an actual shooting threat to run pick and roll with in a way that Jakob Pertl is not. Can you negate the lack of shooting Scotty has by having a pick and pop partner as sort of a backup big option who you can work with and mix in and have a different look That's super important. And Precious, you know, his defense plays, right? He doesn't have to do much offensively to justify being out there because he's a menace defensively. He's so bloody good. Can stay in front of anybody. And really, I I think he's just like really special on that end. But it's just like the slow decision-making on offense, the sort of baffling, just like holding the ball for too long and then making a really just like ludicrous read out of it. That stuff's got to go away. I don't know how you teach that stuff. I'm sure they're thinking about how you teach that stuff. Um, but like precious is at his best when he's not thinking. Right. And, and I do mm-hmm. wonder if maybe that sort of more wing centric role is better for him. And, uh, maybe that comes on this team. Maybe it doesn't like, maybe he's a guy you use as a potential like trade sweetener in the off season. I, I don't think I'd like that. Like I want to see precious thrive on this team. But I like, hear what you're saying though. I hear you. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it's just, it's fit, right? It's the complementary pieces. Do they come together to make a team that makes sense when you mm-hmm. lack a super duper star player? the fit is extremely important and and the way the puzzle pieces fit is massive. And if he's not going to shoot, that's a big problem. This is a team that needs shooting and could definitely use shooting from a big man like precious to offer different looks. Even if you're working, you know, you're closing a game yaks having trouble in a certain matchup because you know, he's more of a drop big and they're asking him to come up too high and he's getting blown by. Precious as a foil for that, as a guy who can switch everything and be just a total game changer defensively yeah. with a different look than Yak, that's amazing, but it only works if he's doing enough for you offensively. And I wonder if the sort of interior decision-making stuff is just maybe not really his bag. He's always kind of struggled with that, but if you can put him out on the wing, put him mm. on the perimeter, 
have him catch and quickly attack off of drives, use that crazy first step he's got, use the three-point stroke, which doesn't look broken. It just seems like it's no. off for whatever reason this season, but like there's a smooth-looking stroke there. I feel like simplifying things for him to allow him to not have to think so much about his offense while his defense is out there doing his defense thing, like that's the way to go. I just... I, I don't know if we're going to see it this year. I mean, this is maybe just like a lost developmental year for precious, the injury, the changing roles, sure. all of that. Maybe it's too much to overcome, but um, there's certainly like a really good player there who, you know, before they got yak, if you were still a vision six, nine believer, it's because you believed precious Achua could be the guy to tie it all together as the guy who could stir the drink as your big man in those six, those lineups who could bring those big man skills. Yeah. Maybe the cat's out of the bag on the true big man skills for him, but there's obviously a lot for him to offer. Just hit some bloody threes, buddy. Like not mm. even forty percent, like it was at the end of last year. Just like thirty six. Give me thirty six percent. League average attempts. Like I'll take it. Yeah, man. It yeah. just would be so such a like a valuable addition to what they got going, and yeah. would give a different look and some just more malleability to the types of lineups they could play. This is the pros and cons of having a read and react offense. A player like Fred could really mm-hmm. thrive in it. However, other players that need some structure, you know, that don't mm-hmm. need the leash off. <laughs> They could uh, probably yeah. uh, have trouble understanding where their shots are supposed to come from. Like in that Clippers game, Scotty had a few mid-range shots where I'm sure he's just like, I don't usually shoot from here, and he missed them. Um, he had mm-hmm. several opportunities to hit some of those, and they were wide open for him. But they're along the baseline. I think there, I, I recall two of them um, late in the, mm-hmm. the or fourth quarter area, and I'm probably thinking that he's just like, I don't usually practice these shots. Um, mm-hmm. however, I mean, you want a, a player to be practicing from every spot on the court, but I, I think it would help, you know, a shooter, for instance, or any, anyone, if you know that you're gonna get the ball around the baseline, around the, the 45, around the, the nail or whatever, and that's where you're going to be getting the ball on um, these particular sets, then it probably would increase your chances of being able to hit that shot. But, um, that mm-hmm. is the, the modern NBA, that is a modern offense where you want players to just make decisions a little bit faster and to be comfortable, you know, just throwing something out there and being innovative and creative and talent never has never been better in the NBA. So I understand why you'd want to do that. You mentioned the six, nine mm-hmm. vision, six, eight final question for you. Do you yeah. think there will be fewer six, eight, six, nine players on the Raptors next season? It's a good question. I mean, I, I think like the core Thinking behind Vision Six Nine, if we're still calling it that, which I, I think it kind of became a misnomer a long time ago. Like they had more six eight I, players, anyways. I claim <laughs> that I'm the one who coined the term Vision Six Foot Nine. I'm pretty really? sure I am. I can't like confirm that. I think I was. I think I tweeted it on draft night when they took Scotty. Um, nice. And uh, look, these things start in all sorts of different places. But like, you know, <laughs> give me some royalties every time you use it, please. Um, I may have not. I might be talking out of my ass here. Who's to say? But you'd be a rich, rich like man. The core principle of having tall, long players play the basketball, mm-hmm. the, the sport where tall, long players have long been the most successful, makes a lot of sense to me. You just have to have the yeah. requisite skills that basketball players have used to great effect for a very long time. Point guard skills, center skills. If you could find a six nine guy who has legit point guard skills. Obviously, he should be your point guard. That's mm. Magic Johnson. Maybe the best there ever was at that position. Like, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to want tall players playing all of the positions. So yeah. I don't think they're going to try to get rid of them necessarily. There might just be, like, roster churn. You know, I think Thad probably won't be long for the team. He's got a non-guaranteed deal, I believe, or they could just wave him or cut him in, and it's all good and, you know, on the books and all that. That and Then again, Otto Porter Jr. probably coming back next year, so maybe that just replaces the Thad guy. Sure. Uh, like, old, old old forward guy who everyone likes uh who plays spot minutes or whatever um you know i think it ultimately comes down to pascal og scotty precious those are kind of the four long guys right i mean boucher's there too i don't think boucher is going anywhere he's a pretty good value player for his deal maybe he's exactly what you want but yeah exactly what you want he's an exactly perfect bench player i don't think there's any reason to move on from chris boucher unless it's like a you have to include him to complete a trade financially or whatever but right right um i would say hmm. because even if they were to say decide okay we got to trade pascal siakam here they're probably trading him for a similarly sized player who just complements mm. the team a little bit better, right? Like they're not going to go get a small wing, like a small like combo guard or something like that. Like nope. can't see that being the thing they do. I think it'll be a like for like size wise. They're just trying to match skills a little better. 
So I'll say it's probably about the same. Like yeah. maybe they draft another six nine guy, which would be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it'd probably drive a bunch of people crazy. Um, but I, I, you know, OG I guess is the other one too. But again, if you're trading OG, now maybe that's the one case hit. in which they. Your it does take a big, a big hit, hit now. and yeah. like I going into the deadline, I was uh, pretty you know firmly like I think trading OG might be the move here. It's proactive; like you get a, a good return, you can reassemble the roster around the rest mm-hmm. of the guys and see how it works. Clearly, his shooting's valuable. His defense is even more valuable, and I wonder if he he's been shooting unreal the past few games. Side note: his yeah, shooting man. the past and few games has been really, really good. Gorgeous, yeah, and and I wonder if maybe he's playing himself into yeah obviously he's part of the plans it was crazy to think about trading him ever um just because of the fit again he fits with anybody he's a really malleable player to slot guys in alongside he can play the two he can play the four he can play the three he can play everywhere and so i think you know if you were to trade him maybe that's the one situation where you're just kind of getting futures back and maybe not a a like for like size guy or to to, to drop it in his place Mm -hmm. but if you're trading pascal trading scotty in like some star trade like it's probably for a guy of a similar ilk, um, just with a different sort of skill set or a little further along or a different spot in their career. But right. uh, so I, I would say that like the the exact number, I don't know what the answer is, but I think in general, their 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 liking of six eight six nine wing types is not going anywhere. I think as long sure. as you have the bookends for those guys, actual point guard play, real center play, like it works. Yeah. But you got to have those bookends. And so, you know, if anything, mm-hmm. get more small guys so they can play point guard and then run some actual offense for you. <laughs> I mean, that's where I kind of landed, actually, that I, I think it's going to be a similar amount. But I, I do think Christian Coloco should be a factor next season. At, at the very least, yeah, he that's will, a good point. Uh, yeah. he'll probably be a stable member of the Raptors. Maybe not rotation, but he'll be with the big club for, for most of the season. I guess he was for most mm-hmm. of the season, too. But at this juncture of next season, he will still be with the team. I'll put it that way. Um, I agree. And yeah. Agree. And then after that, I mean, I, I think the, uh, the uh, adding Will Barton, I think kind of signaled that one, that they really want to make the most of this season, which is funny because mm-hmm. they could have gotten a Will Barton type, you know, when the season started also mm-hmm. that they realized that they could use some more of that, those kinds of abilities, the backup point guard position. It's funny. Like you, Scotty is a backup point guard, but he doesn't have the shooting, but you need shooting from the a backup point guard type to, you know, give yourself more flexibility. Um, so Scotty Barnes mm-hmm. can thrive, you know, in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. So maybe they have some sort of, like you mentioned, a, a combo guard. Maybe, maybe it is right. And they just have someone that can like, you know, do some off ball ball handling if need be some secondary shooting, secondary, whatever. Um, while Scotty Barnes is doing his thing. And at the same time, that person could you know run some pick and roll and whatnot. Like maybe that's it. Um, but I think they do know that next season's considering they are in win now mode, they have to make an upgrade there. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, that's probably as far as I think it, I think it goes. They still are pretty committed. And you mentioned OG. I mean, I'm as curious as anyone, right? What's going to happen with yeah. him? Uh, well, we Cause like you watch the way that dude guards, yeah. you watch the way that dude guards Jokic. And yeah. I'm thinking the playoffs are coming up. They're going to be, potentially four teams that lose to Nikola Jokic in the playoffs or, you know, multiple teams that run into Jokic and have no answer mm-hmm. for him. And you come to the draft and these teams are like, huh, this Jokic guy's a problem, huh? How do we deal with him? Yeah. Who around the league has shown that they can give him some trouble? Oh, the guy that might've been available at the deadline. Maybe we didn't pony up quite enough for him. There you go. Maybe we can now, like, I don't know, man. Like it's, I know it's like a horrible. That's a good point. No, that's, that's a good point. It's a, it's a all in point. flux. We have no idea what the hell the team is going to do. They're in this very weird corner. They have to thread the needle perfectly. It's very stressful as like a fan to like not know the direction of the team. It's also fascinating because they could go a thousand different ways, and I think you could talk yourself into it. It's um, yeah. There's optionality in there lack of optionality I, I suppose i would say it's a it's a really fascinating spot to be and i truthfully have no idea how it's going to go i think the next 15 games will tell us a lot and honestly like i think we're talking at the 46 minute mark of the nuggets game there's probably a way more optimistic tone to everything we've said here mm-hmm. but then scott foster happens the clippers game happens and hey it's a loss to the clippers whatever like they played good minutes they played bad minutes blah 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 blah, blah. yeah if there's seven and four and not six and five through the first 11 games even that small difference probably changes the overall tone sure. and hey if they go win the next three mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like damn this team is uh is, is on its way and you can build yeah. on something here and bring everybody back run it all back i got we need these 15 games the 26 games weren't even enough really to like get a full picture 
to try to know the full picture after 11 of those 26 games feels like we're trying to jump a little too soon to grab to jump to conclusions, but yeah. certainly all this information is important and valuable and is going to certainly dictate whatever the hell happens in the off season. And I like, if you ask me to handicap what's going to happen in the off season, good luck. I have no idea. Like mm-hmm. a, a thousand different things, like I said, could go down, would not be shocked by any of them. So many valuable players that could be off the team next season. It's a crazy thing. It's not very common that most teams, that teams are going to deal with that in a situation like this. All right, man. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. This was very much, very fun. You can find Sean Woodley on the rap or on the lockdown Raptors podcast and on YouTube subscribe there as well. Closing thoughts, closing comment. Yeah. We're just like very close to 3000 subs on the YouTube channel and nice. I like round numbers. So please help push us over and then I'll stop uh, badgering people to keep on subscribing until the next time we get to a round number. <laughs> I'm going to make some accounts and I'll subscribe on those. A beautiful, wonderful man you are. A true uh, a true legend. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. The Raptors will beat the Lakers tonight. We'll talk soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.